Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're going to get a little sports business insight over the next 10 to 15 minutes with a guy who does just that, analyst work and consultant for outlets like Reuters and uh, SiriusXM. Our buddy Rick Harrow jumps aboard here with us on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing, Rick? I didn't know you needed that much help. Four hours, man. Four hours of radio. I guess I guess all you pros do that, but man, it's it's uh, uh, people have got to be entertained by you for four straight hours. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to keep you on my app, and I'm going to listen to you for four hours. I'm I'm going to figure out whether the last ten minutes are as good as the first ten. <laughs> I will try and stand the test of time. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you quick will. as quick aside, uh, I was indoctrinated early on. Uh, my first ever gig was for WFAN, the first all-sports radio station in New York sure. back in the 80s. And my shift used to be midnight to 6 a.m., my first ever shift, oh overnights. And right. on certain nights, they almost always had someone on prior to, if a game was on, a live game, somebody came in and did like an hour and a half show. And I, they, I would sit there and go, they do an hour and a half, I do six. They're doing one and a half. I'm doing. How does this really work? But I didn't say anything. And then my boss would every once in a while offer me, "Listen, Jody, I'll give you an extra fifty bucks if you come on after the game." And then I would extend the six-hour show that I'm doing. Well, one night the Rangers were playing a get-out-of-town game or something along those lines, and they, it went quicker than it was supposed. The damn game got over at nine forty-five. So I was on for eight hours and 15 minutes. And this here's is when problem. I'm... Here's your Yeah, well, here's your problem. Did you hear what you said un- under your breath? You said, but I didn't say anything. Well, you need to say something because I... Hey, how about, how about if I'm your agent and we go to the, go to you, the intercom guys? I, you and I will have a conversation, right? I, I, will, I will start a rumor going on strike. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> thank you, no. And oh, by the way, it was some other company. It wasn't Intercom 30 yeah, some odd years ago that it was, but at, in my very <laughs> developmental stages, I did an eight yeah. hour and 15 minute show. So between right. you and Before I, you nobody else far, listening. Whatever it took. Right. Exactly. Four hours, four hours, a piece of cake. Anyway, you're going to help me through it for the next 10 or 15 minutes talking about the business of sports. When last we spoke, there was the possibility of some conferences playing college football, other conferences not. It's now getting closer to being set in stone that that's going to be the case. Big 10 and Pac-12 having opted out, but the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC going forward. How is that all going to work economically? 
Yeah, here's our thing. You know, our three, our every three week visit, it's like the world changes between. Yeah, it's a little bit. And the next three weeks, <laughs> and so and so there are five big Power Five conferences, as we know, and they're operating off of a similar set of facts. Uh, and three said we want to play. Two say we don't. Ironically, the three that we don't want to play, they say, are the higher football producing revenues. How about that? But you realize that the athletic directors have an issue. This is not just greed. They've got to pay for the 15 to 20 sports that depend on football and with no basketball revenue to supplement it. They've also got to depend on Title IX. How are you going to do that if you don't have any money? And so uh, the SEC, the last one standing, ironically, eight of the 10 top football-producing revenue schools are in the SEC. And clearly, Kevin Warren, who is a good friend of mine, who wrote a chapter in my book and was the president of the Vikings, is the commissioner of the Big Ten. And we understand from some latest information that many, if not all, many, let's say, the ADs wanted to play in the fall. And Kevin said, look, I see the facts. I'm a lawyer. I understand what the issues are. Let's wait until spring. As a fan, um, let's put this as a fan. I don't know what's going to happen with the BCS uh, or the, the FBS, the championship games, the bowl games. Let's just assume those are midpoint in the season. And how about three big-time Power Five uh, conference championships with some of the other uh, conferences thrown in uh, by January? And then we get set for two more conferences of college football. I don't guarantee that's going to happen, but if we're fans, just suck it up and get ready for six months of college football. And I'll give credit to my callers over the last several weeks because they made a big-time point of it, and I acknowledged it, but maybe not to the level that I should, that not only does it have an impact on the individual universities, but with some of these towns that are basically college football towns, that the main driving revenue force is college football in these towns, that they're going to just get crushed if they're not playing like Happy Valley up in Penn State. Happy Valley is there for Penn State. Penn State is Happy Valley, and there's going to be no fall as football. How much fallout is there going to be for that town, for that entire area, if their main revenue source just goes away for a year? Your callers are pretty damn smart because they picked a good example. There has been a study done by the tourist board of State College and the surrounding areas that's $60 million of direct expenditures for the seven games that they won't have fans on and they won't have games on and then TV on either. And uh, the, uh, you know, hotels market up. Uh, I've stated at Days Inn in Happy Valley, uh, 350 bucks. And by oh. the way, the bed was still hard. Even at 350 <laughs> bucks. But the, the point was, that's the way they make their money. And so those guys, plus the restaurants, plus the transportation, uh, it's about $140 million. And you take State College, which, by the way, has some extra uh, social issues because, you know, they're recovering from Sandusky and the the uh, scandals, and they need to get back to some regularity. I think they've recovered, but how about Gainesville? How about Tuscaloosa? You know, how about Auburn, Alabama? How about State College, uh, 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 Texas? Uh, on and on and on and on, and you know it. So it's a good example and a good issue. Yeah, it's one that, uh, at least now, the Pac-12 towns and the Big Ten towns are going to have to deal with. Um, 
they just came out with the official statement this week that there are going to be no fans at the Kentucky Derby. They they pushed it back from May to September in the hope that they'd be able to get it open for at least a partial crowd. That's not going to be the case. We know there's not going to be any fans at the Masters. Uh, we know the individual impact of uh, the sports, team sports, football, basketball, hockey, baseball, and uh, playing in bubbles and the like, but for these sports that are big for one day a year or four days for the Masters, an entire weekend, how much does not having fans at these events actually cost those specific events? Well, so the announcement tomorrow, by the way, the Kentucky Derby Committee has decided not even to allow horses at the Kentucky. Oh, no. (laughs) That's an issue. That's an issue. And, And another issue Farmer's Almanac says it's going to be about six or eight inches of snow at Augusta in November. That's another Oof. issue. So, all right, those are those are two one-liners that we've, we've overused, but everybody understands it's important to have the events. The bottom line is the events with no fans are good TV events, and what they've done is they've secured the television revenue that covers their basic dollars, which is very important. But the small towns, the Louis, not really small, but Louisville and Augusta will not have the economic impact. Uh, the Masters Committee is very good at not talking about what the numbers are, but you know the secondary market for Masters badges, there's never been a human being that's actually paid face value for a Masters ticket. It's really a Masters ticket. And also the same thing with the uh, uh, the uh, hospitality areas that are built, as well as some of the hotels. They're built, they're built on the backs of one week a year. Right. And so what are you going to do? It's uh, If you look at the press release very carefully, and I know some of the committee members well, and I talked to them, they said no members and no guests. And the reason they said no guests is because patrons and guests, and because you know the, the guests are, are from all over the world, and it's going to be very hard to get into this country, uh, unfortunately, uh, even in November, we think. So they are probably, in their way, doing the right thing, even though they're taking speed on it. And they can't wait till April. They've had some discussions, and I've heard some about, well, are you going to move next year's Masters back? God, no, man. I hope I hope we're locked down until, what, let's say December, maybe? I don't know. I don't want to think about it. But then we get back to normal, which means Masters next April. And in the meantime, CBS is paying regular freight, and that's really good. And I can't wait to see the Masters with no crowds. You know, I've been watching the uh, Northern Trust. I'm, I'm here in Connecticut. I was going to go to the final round, but I don't want to see Dustin Johnson run away with it. You know, 26 under, 59, 60. I don't care. It's good golf, and it's now fans, and I don't care. <laughs> and it looked pretty good on TV. Uh, Dustin Johnson surely did. Rick Arrow, I guess, sports business analyst here with us on CBS Sports Radio. You mentioned secondary market for something like uh, the Masters and or the Kentucky Derby. If that's your business and you are, for the lack of a better word, they don't call them this anymore, but when I was a kid, you went to a ticket scalper. They got tickets, and then they would charge you an inflated rate if it was a must-see event, and the Kentucky Derby and uh, the Masters are certainly two of those. For those who are holding their tickets, just a flat-out loss, they're going to be able to get refunded face value, but they probably paid above face value, and they were going to try to sell it to someone else above that value, uh, how big a loss is it for those people in that business? Here's the irony. You know, it's scalpers with a small little S you're not supposed to mention. You're supposed to whisper <laughs> it. But, you know, StubHub uh, and Razor and all of those companies 
are legitimized because they have deals with the leagues, their sponsors, their partners. But when you don't have fans, you don't have tickets, and there's nothing they can do to recover this year. And they're not going to stick their folks with uh, no refunds. If they do, they'd be out of business. So ultimately, everything gets rolled back a year. And so if you take the short version, you would say, all right, two years, three years out, you recoup your money in year three or year four because everything gets rolled out. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many years it is, you've lost a year of revenue. So suck it up and deal with it. All right, an interesting tidbit. You had a couple paragraphs on your uh, what to watch list this week on Sports Business was about uh, endorsements for the players in college football. Not this year, but starting next year, there's a chance that they can make some money on their likeness and the like. And being able to earn money via social media. I'll be honest with you. you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, I'm on Twitter, but... I'm not an influencer. I don't understand the whole being able to generate revenue from social media. How can a potential college student who is top of the line guy and uh, has a ton of followers or whatever else, how do they turn that into profit? Well, how how old are you, by the way? You're going to kill me for asking that question. Are are you? I I would be in my 50s, my friend. Good. I would be in my 60s. So you and I are going to have to do a 100-yard dash for, you know, 100 grand. So, so here, here's here's the problem. The problem is we don't we don't have an answer to that question because we don't we don't watch or we don't uh, we don't use the uh, the the phone and social media on a 24 hour basis as millennials do. But people have figured out scientifically how to quantify the revenue that corporations might be interested in to reach younger folks and get this kid Rattler who is going to be the next Oklahoma quarterback and is fifth in the Heisman voting before they even started. And they put a number of 750K on his value because he's a social media maven. Well, first of all, you don't know what the deal's going to be because name, image, and likeness is going to be a big uh, issue down the road. But second, and this is a bigger issue, I think athletic departments are going to try to figure out how to grab some of that revenue before it goes out because they need it now. They need it to support the other sports. You're going to see a lot of new naming deals. You're going to see a lot of gambling revenue. You're going to see alcohol sales to schools in stadiums under 21, and they'll figure out how to get that done. And you see name, image, and likeness dollars kept by the schools before it's distributed to the athletes. And they may not like it, but if I'm an athletic director, what do I do? Because I don't have football revenue and I don't have basketball revenue, so i I got to grab whatever I can. All right, let's deal with a uh, endorsement type area that both you and I, not millennials, uh, understand. Things like Michael Jordan selling sneakers. You you get what I'm drifting at here. Um, yeah, of course. What kind of an effect has the pandemic had on that? Uh, there are always ongoing deals. Deals that are in place are in place, but everyone's looking to cut a new deal. There's a new one coming into the market that you want to get as an endorser for your product. How has the pandemic just generally affected sports athletes with endorsement deals? Yeah, hell of a question. Very, very, very carefully. So, you know, here's the bottom line. If I'm, if I'm a corporation, I want to make sure that my deals are shorter and smaller and easier to terminate uh, because I want to guard against bad actors. I, I'm an athlete. I want to separate myself from the rest of the pack. 
and I want to basically play myself against it. Agents were a lot less competitive on endorsement stuff years ago because there was all the money in the world. Now you're hearing a lot of presentations, I've heard some, where the athlete who is a middle-of-the-road guy is represented by an agent who is saying, look, here are my benefits, and I'm better than the following 38 guys, so you've got to give me X. And at the end of the day, it's going to be a lot harder until we find a vaccine. And here is my answer. Once we get a vaccine, the entire world changes. The stadium issues, the endorsement issues, the fans in facilities issues. But if you and I were to predict when that is, we'd have to make it up. And I don't want to do that. Understood. And that means your answer is it's slowing, but it surely hasn't stopped. And it could boom out once we get our hands on a virus. Well, understood. Well, you mean, Rick- I said that in like 100 words. You said that in, in eight. That was really good for a a 50-some-odd-year-old guy. That was really good. I couldn't have done it if you didn't give me all the info to begin with. (laughs) All right. um, NFL on Saturday. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's speculating about it. But that was if there was going to be no college football. There's going to be reduced college football, which means if they go to the Saturday games in the NFL – at times, at least on some channels, they'd have to be competing with some college football because there are conferences that are going on and their conferences are stopping. What's the latest you've heard on potential games on Saturday for the NFL this year? Well, let me tell you the legal parameters. Let me, let me frame it for you. The issue is that the NFL wants to grab, I think, you would think, as many nights as they can and not look like they're torpedoing high school football on Friday and college football on Saturday. There's Title 35 of the U.S. Code that basically says you need a waiver, the FCC requires, in order to get games on Saturdays, you know, special waivers during the Christmas holidays and Thanksgiving. You know that's happening, although not even Thanksgiving. It's, you know, the NFL playoff games and thank, and, and around Christmas. That's the only time you see them on Saturday. Right. You can't automatically do it. You've got to petition the uh, – uh, the uh, 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 federal FCC, you've got to get some consensus with colleges. And again, you're absolutely right. With no college football, it becomes easier. And maybe there's a bailout that's available for the colleges as part of the deal. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm throwing it out there as a trial balloon. That would be kind of neat. And especially with high schools, uh, I know this is the time where high schools are saying, are we playing or are we not playing? And if they're not playing, Friday night is a prime night because for me, I don't know about you, I, I can't get enough of that, uh, enough NFL football. Crowds or no, or, or no crowds. I'm watching. I guess I don't get Tuesday, Wednesday night, no matter what. But I get, <laughs> get Thursday night. I want Friday night. I want Saturday. I want Sunday. I want Monday. And I don't know if we're going to get it, but the NFL is certainly going to attempt to figure out how to maximize their TV revenue, especially with no crowds. All right, I'm pretty sure you've got a pretty good grasp on this. As we're talking about uh, NFL games on Saturday, it would be a a big deal for television purposes. NFL games are going to do well. You're going to everybody's going to fill the stadium if you can, or you can get your percentage, whatever is allowed in this year, be it Saturday or Sunday. So it's all about TV. How are the TV ratings doing since sports returned? Baseball nationally and locally. NBA and NHL in the postseason here. Uh, no, it's ongoing and it's changing on a day-by-day basis, but just if you got an overall sentiment, overall numbers, how is TV on sports doing on the reopening? Really, 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 really good. Golf started by being beyond anybody's expectations. 
and everybody said, well, yeah, that's because they're out there first and nobody is competing with them. Then you get NASCAR, and then you get baseball, and they're out there beating their records. And then the hockey playoffs, Gary Bettman is masterful at what he's done. That 22-team format is amazing, and how he basically jiggled around the formats to get the Rangers and the Blackhawks in. Uh, I know I'm going to get a call from him. say, well, yeah, we didn't do that. But the bottom line is that, that's, that's what's happening, man, and, and it's a great deal. As the same thing with the NBA. And so every sport is increasing, and the overall sport viewing is increasing, and streaming is increasing. And the streaming of 55 and over, I'm not sure you're over it, I am, is up 27%. So the myth was old folks don't know how to watch sports on their phones and iPads. That is not true. And so now we've got some proof that TV after the pandemic will learn from this and is a success story no matter what. That's great stuff, Rick. All your stuff always is. I appreciate you sending me off your tip sheet each and every single week. Yes, I will punch you up three weeks from the day. We'll always stay in the know on the business side with Rick Harrow. Uh, You're a podcast guy. Where can people get your podcast? Yeah, Reuters and Reuters International is called Keeping Score is that podcast. And then I've got a show called uh, Good Sport and Icons, which is on the Fox family of stations. And I have it at a whole bunch of different places, Yahoo Finance. So just do at Rick Haro and you'll find it all. And maybe 10% of it isn't boring, so suck it up and watch. Follow it up. Follow him on Twitter and then find out where his podcasts are. Broadcasting, no, he'll be back with me three weeks from today. Rick, always a pleasure, bud. Thanks much. We'll talk. All right, stay safe, man. Bye. Rick Haro, uh, insider for the sports business world, analyst and consultant. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.